Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life He gives. Uh, my name is Ian. I'm a part of the team here uh, at Church at the Well. Uh, so if we have not met, maybe we'll get some time by the orange Gatorade cooler after the service or crunched in at the lobby, but most likely I'll probably head outside after the service because it is so nice. We can agree that the last couple days, the ending of fall, we're getting to winter, everyone, have been beautiful, haven't they been? Um, And so hopefully you've had some time this weekend, this week, or today to get outside. I have a soccer game later today. I'm looking forward to that. It's perfect weather for it. This morning, we're starting a new series where we're going to be looking at John chapter 17 for a few weeks. And in, in, a, in a way, even though we wrapped up our series last week, which was being with Jesus, exploring that theme of being with Jesus, John 17 is in many ways a continuation of that, that theme. So in John 17, we see something. It's a record of Jesus praying. Now, Jesus praying in the Gospels is not particularly unique We see Jesus praying often throughout all four of the Gospels. But often when Jesus is praying, we often see he's off by himself, and we're not often aware of the content of what Jesus is praying. And this is what makes John chapter 17 completely unparalleled, I believe. Jesus is intentionally praying in the presence of the disciples. He's intentionally praying, and the content of his prayer is then recorded for us. And so Jesus is intentionally praying in the presence of his disciples with the intention of them hearing and listening and observing his prayer. And then that content is then recorded for us. Also, a note, this is not only a record of Jesus' prayer past tense, But it gives us insight into Jesus's present and future prayer for us. Hebrews 7.29 says this of Jesus, that the Son always lives to make intercession. And so when we read John 17, we get a glimpse of the heart of God and a Jesus who is praying for us. Uh, We get a picture of a God who has us on his heart and in his heart. And so we're going to be looking at this. We're going to be spending time in this passage to observe Jesus in prayer, to experience Jesus in prayer, and then uh, as, as we do so, hopefully to embody that prayer as well, that as we observe Jesus in prayer and experience Jesus in prayer, that in some ways that, that we would embody that prayer as well. Um, I didn't grow up, I I know I've I've mentioned this before in sermons, but I didn't grow up in a Christian household or a particularly religious household. And so when I became a follower of Jesus, I found myself in situations where people were praying and I was invited to pray with other people. And uh, if you've ever been in a moment like that where prayer is like foreign or new to you, it can be incredibly intimidating. Can it, has anyone related to that being in a place where like people are praying and you don't know what to do? Um, but 
I found that in those spaces when I was invited to pray, that, that praying with others was incredibly helpful. Because at first, I was able to sit in prayer nervously and awkwardly kind of observe and listen to other people pray. How did they experience God? How are they speaking to God? And then from there, uh, experience moments that can be intimidating and it takes a little bit of courage, but to begin to pray words yourselves. Because at, at first, when you're learning to pray, you're not sure, like, are there rules here? Are there limits to what I say or I can't say to God? Is there a right way or a wrong way to do it? Do I close my, do I have to close my eyes? Can I keep my eyes open, etc.? There's all these things running through your brain, and then you begin to observe, and then you begin to speak yourself as you observe and listen, and then uh, from there, hopefully begin to experience and know the presence of God. I, you know what? I think that's God speaking to me there. I think that's God telling me he loves me there. I think that's God uh, speaking his calling into my life, how he's, and so, right, this is kind of like working out, right? But there's something about doing that in community that's scary, but also incredibly helpful. And in some ways, John 17 can do that for us, because in John 17, we have an opportunity to witness Jesus in prayer. And so we're going to observe Jesus in prayer over the next few weeks and hopefully experience Jesus in prayer in some way. My hope and my prayer is that Jesus's prayer then becomes rooted in us. So let's start in verse, we're going to just read the first five verses of this prayer, and then we're going to jump into the rest of John 17 in the following weeks. But verses, verse one, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Again, he's with his disciples. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, again, this is in John, where John chapter 1 starts, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we see that again that refrain repeated here, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So in the following weeks, we're going to do a deeper dive into the content of Jesus's prayer. We're largely skipping over the content this morning where we see Jesus pray in the following weeks. We're going to see he prays for his disciples. He prays for all believers, present and future. But this morning, we're going to be looking at what Jesus' prayer here reveals about himself, what it reveals about his nature and his character. Because again, he's intentionally revealing who he is. Um, There's a professor, uh, Daryl Johnson, at Regent University, which is a seminary in Vancouver, BC, Canada. And he said this when you get to, he teaches He teaches John, or uh, Johannian writings, and he says this. When we get to John 17, what we're doing is we're listening in 
on the conversation at the center of the universe. Daryl Johnson said that. We're listening in on the conversation at the center of the universe. And so in this chapter, I believe Jesus is revealing something about his nature and something about the very nature of God. And it's this, namely, that God is Trinity, that God is relationship. So what is Trinity? Trinity is we have the creed as Orthodox Christians that we believe God is one, and yet he, has re- he is revealed and is three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so what we see here in John 17, we're in some ways listening to God speak to God. So to say God is Trinity is to say that God is relationship. To say that God is Trinity is to say that God is an eternal community of love. Now, we're not going to unpack the mystery of the Trinity here in 25 minutes on a Sunday at Higher Ground. Um, I'll, I'll let you do that on your own time. <laughs> we have to get to lunch and our afternoons and dinner, right? Um, but What's unfolding here in this prayer is something that Jesus wants his disciples, and therefore us, to hear and to know and to understand in his prayer. And here in John 17, we get a glimpse of the relationship of the Trinity. We get a glimpse of the Trinity's relationship as God. So I want to highlight a few words in this passage that will shape how we're going to explore this today. And these words, and I'll I'll give you these words up front, and then we'll kind of unpack them a little bit. But the words are, and if you have that paper with you, with the text, you can even find those words in the text if you have a pen and underline them. But they're the word glorify, the word authority, and the word eternal life. And so we're just going to briefly talk about these three things and how they come up in this passage in relation to God as Trinity. First, Jesus prays to the Father, glorify your Son. And so here we get a glimpse of how the nature of God as Trinity exists as an eternal community of love. Glorify your Son that your Son might glorify you in eternal community of love. I've said that a few times now, but what Jesus is doing, he's revealing something that has been true of who God is for all of eternity. Father, Son, and Spirit for all of eternity existing in selfless giving to one another. Selfless giving to one another. Glorify your Son so that your Son might glorify you. And so this is true of Jesus then as he prayed this, but it's true, apparently, of Jesus for all of eternity. This is how God relates to one another. This is how the members of the Trinity relate to one another. Uh, Next, we see Jesus say, for you granted him, speaking of himself, authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Again, we see the Father giving here in this, but we also see Jesus talk about how he's been given authority by the Father. We have a hard time with authority, right? 
uh, authority in our culture. And a lot of times for many good reasons, there's many good reasons that we have issues with authority in our culture, but we are formed to think of authority. We are shaped in a way to think of, of authority where we are formed in cynicism and skepticism, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? And so we tune our instruments to drop D and we rage against the machine, right? So we're, we're formed in cynicism, skepticism with authority. But if God is Trinity and Jesus is revealing God is Trinity here, I believe gives us a subversive understanding of authority. Subversive just means, to subvert just means to tell a different story. It's a different story. And so Jesus gives us a different understanding of authority as he reveals God as Trinity. To explain what I mean, how do, what is the story that Jesus tells about authority? Let's, re, let, let's read a passage from Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Actually, a lot of scholars think that this particular portion of Philippians chapter 2 was an early Christian hymn, that the earliest Christian communities actually sang these words with one another. And it says this, who, speaking of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Scripture's clear, all authority has been placed in the hands of Jesus. But how does Jesus use that authority? In the selfless giving of himself. If, and let me ask you a question, church. Who better to hold all authority? If scripture's clear that all authority is placed in the hands of Jesus, who better to hold all authority in the universe than in the same hands that were nailed to the cross in sacrificial love for us on our behalf? Who better? Can I get an amen? Amen. This is how Jesus wields authority in sacrificial giving to the end, to the goal of eternal life, which is the last word I'd like to highlight today. Not only does Jesus define or redefine, you could say, authority in his prayer, but he gives definition here as well to eternal life. Verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, just one, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Coming to know God, coming to know Jesus, coming to know God as Trinity, coming to know God is eternal life. Jesus defines it here. When we know God, we are experiencing eternal life. And so when we do a sermon series called Being with Jesus and we talk about spiritual practices that help us cultivate a life in which we are present and becoming aware of God's presence in our life, we're not just, it's not just self-help. It's not just becoming better as individuals, which is a good thing, right? 
We want to be better people. We want to be more aware of our flaws. We want to learn how to be better people, right? But, but practicing being with Jesus is experiencing eternal life here and now. Let's pause and reflect on that for a moment because uh, that's, that's part, when, when Adam gives you like a homework assignment, he's like, do this for 30 seconds. That's 30 seconds in which we are present to the eternal life Jesus has given us. That has the power to shape and change and transform not only who we are, but our community as well. And as we experience that eternal life, I promise you this, you'll want others to experience that as well. And so it's missional. It's not just inward focused, right? Coming to know God, coming to know Jesus, Jesus defines it. Coming to know God as Trinity is eternal life. Now let's skip ahead to the very end of Jesus' prayer. Spoiler warning, chapter 17, verses 24 through 25, where he wraps up his prayer. He says, he prays this, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Jesus wants to be with us. I want them to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Love eternally existing amongst the Trinity. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Remember, Jesus is intentionally praying in front of his disciples, and he's intentionally praying through the word to us. And so as Daryl Johnson said, we're invited in John chapter 17 to listen in on the conversation that's happening at the center of the universe, but we're not only invited to listen in, we're invited into the conversation that's happening at the center of the universe. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that your love, in order that the love you have for me, the same love that existed between Father, Son, and Spirit for all of eternity, the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Uh, There's a prayer uh, a simple prayer that I had hoped to have a handout for you this morning, but I didn't. I don't have the handout for you, so I apologize. But I did do something. If you have the Church Center app, which hopefully you have by now because I've been bothering you, you can open it up, and on the home page of the Church Center app, I put this prayer. So if you just scroll through the home page, you can find that. Or if you're listening, I'll I'll read the prayer slowly, and you can write it down if you're a fast writer. If you have handwriting like me, you'll write it down and not be able to read it later because I have horrible handwriting. But it's there, so you can find it. And then when we post the podcast, you'll just be able to find it on the podcast episode page. I'll put it right there as well for you. The prayer is this. It's simple. And actually, I should give credit. I didn't write this prayer. This comes from... Bishop Tom Wright, or N.T. Wright, as some of you know, and it's a simple prayer called um, the Prayer of the Trinity, and it's just three lines. 
Father Almighty, maker of heaven and on earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me in all the world. And I share that prayer with you because a simple prayer like this can do so much work to expand our hearts to the eternal mystery of the Trinity. We're not going to solve the mystery of the Trinity this morning. I already told you we weren't going to do that. But a, a simple prayer like this has the capacity to open our lives up, our hearts up, our minds, our souls, our spirits to the eternal existence of God as a community of love. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me in all the world. And so uh, I'm going to invite you this week to take that prayer with you, to find some time to pray it, as you just saw. doesn't take too long to pray. But as you do, be aware of the, the reality that, one, Jesus is inviting you into the love that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Also be aware that Jesus has you on his heart. That Jesus is praying for you, as, as Hebrews seven twenty nine says, the, the Son lives, always lives, forever lives to make intercession for you on his behalf. And what is his heart? That you would know him, that you would know the Father, that you would know the Spirit. Um, let's pray. And how about we just how about we just end with this simple prayer? If you have it up on the Church Center app. Uh, I invite you to pray it with me. If not, um, just listen, and hopefully God will speak to you through the prayer, and then you can just get, get it downloaded for later. Let's pray. Uh, actually, I'm going to invite the band up as well. Y'all come up? Awesome. Let's pray. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me in all the world. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.